0: so just let it flow no one can do it quite like Caroline. it's time for
2: Caroline. hey y'all so this episode of get real podcast i have nikki birdine on and you probably recognize her she's on the news and she's the anchor of news channel 2 she's amazing such a beautiful person inside and out we talk all about her career how she's chased it for so long and to get to this coveted position and it's amazing. And now she's a new mom and we talk about that journey and something really special about her journey into motherhood is her daughter Andy came at 28 weeks, which is 12 weeks early. She's a micro preemie and Nikki has journaled and documented her process with Nikki and being in the NICU and every achievement and milestone and scare that they went through and this story, is so beautiful this birth story this her pregnancy story andy's life it is so beautiful and nikki is so strong as a mother and andy is so strong this little girl is so strong and i love this episode so much it is so heartfelt and it just will touch your heart in every way so here is nikki talking about her life and her amazing incredibly strong little princess warrior daughter andy Okay, I am here with the beautiful, talented <laughs> Nikki Verdine. Hi. And if you live in Nashville, you're probably like, I know that name. <laughs> and if you see this video, video, you're like, I know that face. And it's because you're on the news every day.
3: Yep, every morning, dark and early. You wake us up. Sometimes, sometimes I'm still asleep. What
2: channel is it? Channel
3: two, ABC, the local ABC station. Okay, so you're the
2: anchor on Channel yes. Two. That's kind of a huge job.
3: It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. How Good did morning, you get Nashville. into
2: this? Good Morning Nashville. Yeah. Okay.
3: So I've been in journalism for like almost thirteen years now. Moved around a lot. Can you want me to tell you like the whole? Yeah. Just okay. Kidding. Just tell us. Um, give, give me the lowdown. Okay. I majored in journalism at UT, and then. Um, moved around a bit my first like post-college job was in dc working for the redskins and i knew i wanted to be on camera and you have to start in a small town on tv so um, i moved to hagerstown maryland which is a tiny town like an hour and a half outside of dc
2: so you knew you had to go to a small town and get on the local show there yeah
3: i mean unless you're like i don't know super lucky or whatever then, then you can start big but at least 10 years ago, that, or 13 years ago was the way it was. And so I started in Hagerstown, Maryland, did the whole one-man band thing, like carried 40 pounds of gear, shot my own stuff, edited it, anchored it, reported, produced, wrote it, did it all. Go, girl. Yeah, for a few years. And then I moved to Lexington, Kentucky, did the same thing there, except I anchored there, and then moved to D.C. and was a reporter in D.C. for five years. So that's a big job to, five years.
2: to yeah. be a reporter in D.C.
3: It was fun. Were you doing a lot of politics? Yeah, a little bit. Not as much because it was local. So there's such like a disconnect between network and local. You know, network is like a lot of pandering, a lot of...
2: What's pandering uh, mean?
3: Well, I mean, that's probably not the right word (laughs) to use. But a lot of like talking about politics, a lot of opinions and Mm -hmm. local news is all just about like what's happening like literally in your community. Oh, right, right, right. Like it's not
2: like the crime, CNN or something where they're like covering.
3: No, I never got to do that.
2: The president's current states all no. the time
3: in dc it kind of overlaps because like you're doing a little bit of like uh, a little bit of politics in dc because it is literally in your backyard you know you go to the white house to cover stuff but for the most part it was local news just like it is anywhere else did you enjoy it i did yeah i'm glad i got it off my list you know to work in a top 10 market and to work in a big city like dc but when my husband and i were like like why are we here <gasps> so, it's my dog <laughs> What's his name, Reggie? It's Reggie White. <laughs> Reggie White? Oh, yeah, he's badass. Oh, it's after to You a tell player. him, Reggie.
2: I'm sorry. You t- oh, it's okay. Uh, Sugar's oh, always oh, on my podcast. Okay. She's um, like one of the main stars on my podcast, to be honest oh, really? with you. Oh, yeah, okay, she makes okay. her presence known all the time. Okay, okay. This, show, this is called Get Real, in okay. case okay, you
3: didn't know. So we can be cool. So
2: we can be cool. I'm just going to make sure our levels are right there. Yeah. Wow, Reggie's giving us a little. Uh, okay, yeah, we're sounding good.
3: It's when the garage door opens. Oh, yeah. It's a little crazy. Because
2: he's like, who's here? Yeah. Who's in my house? It's dad. Yeah, home
3: um I don't remember what I was saying
2: you said it was great to get that off your list we're oh yeah talk to the we, market. Were,
3: we were like what are we doing here like we're Tennesseans our families are there why are we here our best friends are here so you're from Tennessee so. I'm from East Tennessee but my mom grew up in Nashville my in-laws are in Memphis and Nashville is like the best city in the world right and we were like where do we want to go and we were both like Nashville 100% and um actually that's a lie to begin to start with I came down here for a wedding and and my husband was like we should move here I was like no I want to go to New York I want to chase the dream you know I so go to New York and all yeah. that and he was like no you don't what are you doing and there's my husband hey hubs Hey. hey. we're Hi, recording hubs. a podcast um, <laughs> and he was like no you don't what are you talking about he, everybody we love is in Nashville and I was like you're right so we actually came down here and my agent set up an interview they offer me the job, and I almost turned it down, and thank God I didn't. The anchor job? Yeah, and, and thank God I didn't. Why'd you almost honestly. turn it down? Because I thought I wanted to do the network dream. I thought What does the wanted network to, dream mean? Like work at CNN and Fox and oh, oh, oh. do the Today Show thing and New York. So this is local and, news? Yeah.
2: yeah. Okay, so network is like syndicated, like yeah. across the country, yep. one show that goes into every city. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Fox
3: News, CNN, And who's to say that,
2: that won't happen still?
3: I don't really want it to, you know? yeah. I is it funny
2: how your perspective changes? Totally,
3: yeah. Moving to Nashville was the best decision I've ever made. It's the happiest I've been in my entire career. Okay, my whole life, honestly.
2: Tell me how how um, your perspective changed and why you're the happiest you've ever been.
3: I think um, as you grow older, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well in your career. Like you know, you think about. You want to chase your dreams. You want to do all these things. You want to move around and then you fall in love and you get married and and you start talking about a family and then you think about the people you love most in your life and you're like, I want to be around those people. Yes. Career is, is great, but that's not what matters in the long run. I want to spend the rest of my life being around the people who I love the most. Yes. And they're all here. So it was a no-brainer.
2: I totally get that because yeah. when you're in your – teens and 20s Mm -hmm. and 30s and some people chase dreams hard forever and and that's for them and that's great 100 percent. yeah i'm not knocking that at all same thing but like some people don't have the dream of like wanting to settle down or have the family and that's that's great yeah but if you do and i am that same way Mm -hmm. that burning desire to have a family and be close to the people that you love it really does overtake any other dream yeah and then when you're able to mix them together like Mm -hmm. you have and have a hybrid and have it all then really (laughs) I mean truly it's like the best and it's like if you had to do have you watched the morning show with Reese oh my god it's so good
3: so good literally nothing like my job but so good (laughs) but I'm like (laughs) their job is so glamorous it's
2: so glamorous but it's so intense and like just think the whole world is weighing in on your every single move and you have to fit this certain image because if you're not who America wants you to be Mm -hmm. then you're like your ratings drop
3: I get that perspective, that part of it, and I'm sure he's. Does do that too, happen to you, job? being
2: an anchor in Nashville?
3: Oh my gosh, the comments I get.
2: Are you serious? Like, oh
3: my gosh! Yeah. Like what? It's, people are really cruel. Like. Like what do they say? I take step just a little bit. Yeah, I. I mean, just you know, people don't like your outfits. They think you look fat. They don't like your hair. I had a man told me last week that he couldn't believe somebody got me pregnant. What? Um, somebody told me that I had lunch lady arms the other day oh my god I'm like that's such an insecurity for me is like my fat arms you know I'm like oh my what gosh, woman, but what woman doesn't have their insecurities you know oh, of like, course of course we all got that little thing like our ears hang too low or something stupid <laughs> that nobody else notices but us right and that was it for me so yeah and then I got a voicemail when I came back from maternity leave that was just horrific and are you serious yeah, but every, every person, de- I'm not special. Like everybody deals I know. with this, you know? I know. I'm like so- I'm sure you deal with it too. Yeah. People have sent me some,
2: probably not as much because I'm not as visible in everyone's TV in Nashville all the time. Like I'm a select audience, you know? Yeah. But people still, but people love to hate. Everyone's subjective to it. I know. Like do it. Yeah. <sighs> I'm still hormonal. So I'm all <laughs> emotional. So- I'm
3: with you. I'm so, <laughs> don't worry. I'm right there with you. Oh, but it's just
2: like, I just don't understand why people take time out of their day to throw hate. It's it's baffling to me. Mm-hmm. And it's baffling to me that it's mostly women. I know. Who do it. Oh, I've gotten hate you know? for pumping on. Like, I'll show that I'm pumping yeah. on my Insta stories all the time. I love that. I
3: do, too. I got yes. a woman telling me some things should be kept private. I'm like, I'm really proud that I'm able to feed my daughter. I know. <laughs> and it's a full-time freaking job to pump. Yes. But you have to pump around the clock. Yes, you do. Keep your milk supply up. I mean, yeah. it's like every four hours. It's important to normalize that. I agree.
2: Yeah. And I'm also like... Yes, this is feeding our children. And you're gonna say that you're making it sexual. Right. Like it's not yes, I know boobs can be a sexual thing. And before I had a child, like I you think of them more sexual, but now when you have a kid, it's like these are a food source, straight up. Yes. And it's an amazing thing to be able to do. Yes. It takes a lot of time
3: and it's a true blessing. It is a blessing. Mm Because not everyone's able to do it. And Mm -hmm. if you are able to do it, then you should feel lucky and proud and I don't understand that and I think if you don't like it don't watch either like unfollow just, change the channel unfollow, change the, and
2: also though like don't shun women for yeah. doing what needs to be done to like provide right. for your child like that's the thing somebody did that for you like you're gonna ha- you're gonna you want me to go sit in a corner for 30 minutes mm-hmm. four times a four or five times a day by yep. myself and shut myself off from the world F that. I'm it's not isolating, doing that. Isn't it? It is isolating. Yeah. I'm not going to isolate myself because you feel uncomfortable. Right. Because we're doing the most natural thing. Yeah. In the world. Get like, over yourself. Get over it. We're in a new decade, new totally new agree. era, and like I'm proud to like be a part of that new yeah. movement, and you are too.
3: It. It. You know, I found myself at the CMA Awards. I was like, I need to go pump. I was I like, I love you. You're pumping in your <laughs> awesome dress in I was the like, bathroom I'm in an evening gown. What do I do? There's no place to go. Screw it. I'll just go right here. And I felt really empowered to be able to do that. I loved that. I thought that was so awesome. Like you're like
2: done up to the nines, and you're like, gotta do what you gotta do. Working (laughs) little girls out. Let's do it. (laughs) I mean, you got
3: to. Yeah. (sighs) Otherwise, we had a leakage leakage issue, and you know what that's about. That would have been terrible. That that happened to me at the Christmas parade last weekend. You leaked through. through Leaked through my dress on air oh my god you couldn't see thankfully because there was a garland in front <laughs> but like there was a picture and you could fully see there was like a milk stain coming through my dress and i was like stop eh, it you know but i
2: love it it's real life what, are you, life. what are you gonna do What <laughs> you which you're so beautiful on that by the thank way thank you we were watching the christmas parade you're narr- narrating or what do you call it hosting yeah uh on what i guess it was just your news channel yeah it was yeah it was just on channel two yeah channel two and all this stuff going on downtown and i was like there's Nikki. it was fun it was fun i can't wait to take our girls to it one day i know Okay, so I am so excited to talk to you about you becoming a mom because your journey has inspired me more than anyone. Thank you. I'm gonna cry because I just (laughs) got to meet Andy. Oh, Andy is so
3: freaking precious. That's your daughter. So is Sunny. (laughs) I know
2: they're just so cute. There's
3: I want to meet Sunny. I'm jealous you get to meet Andy. I didn't get to meet Sunny. I know.
2: How much does your like world just like change now that you have a daughter?
3: Clearly, nothing else
2: matters. It you know. really doesn't. I And we were talking about that kind of before we started. It's like, or were we talking about that on air? I can't remember. I think I before know. we started. <laughs> I have no brain. No brain. None. I'm with you. But it's like, it used to be annoying to hear people talk about how your world totally changes. Yes. And like all they want to do is talk about their kids. Mm-hmm. And I know how freaking annoying that must be. It is
3: annoying. Yeah. For people who don't have but kids. are those people.
2: We're those people. And also we were saying we feel for the people who if you can't have children or if if you're in that season of longing like I've been in a season where I couldn't have a child and yeah it
3: took us like a year and a half to conceive too oh okay which compared to like so many other people I mean we have a a mutual friend my best friend is is going through that and then you hear from so many women who have miscarriages and all that and we had a miscarriage yeah and your heart just goes out to them and you you don't want to belittle that or not or make them feel uncomfortable but at the same time
2: you are just shouting from it. the
3: rooftops about your your little ones. I
2: know, <laughs> but it is like that is something I realized um, <clears throat> before we got pregnant. I never thought. I thought, oh, we'll just decide to get pregnant. Same, and it'll just be easy. Yeah, and everything will go perfect. Yeah, and life will just be great, <clears throat> and we'll have no problems and whatever. Yeah, and then it took like a year. We had yeah. a chemical pregnancy, a miscarriage, oh, and it's God. just like I never and like so we had like a year for me of like I was truly. Depressed, like it was very sad, and I don't know how you felt in when y'all were trying. Like, if it ever like got to you, it's rough. Yeah, where you start to like wonder, like, am I ever going to be able to be a parent? You feel
3: inadequate. You feel inadequate. Like, what's
2: wrong with me? What's wrong with my body? And then you turn on social media, and literally everyone around you's pregnant. Mm -hmm. Everyone's having babies, and everyone's so happy, and it's so sad and it's so isolating. Like you said, it's a different kind of isolation. And then all of a sudden, you feel like everyone that you know, all your friends, are having babies. Mm And you literally just want to just stay inside and yeah. hide and be sad because it's, when you want a family, I feel like that is the most overpowering feeling when it comes on. Yeah. That you, it's all
3: consuming. It's all consuming. Yeah. And when you flip that switch and you're like, it's time. Mm-hmm.
2: But there are so many walks to motherhood and that is yes. something that I am loving to highlight on my podcast right now as being yeah. a new mom. Like, I have loved to share my journey of, like, loss and, I like, struggle to getting here too. and now being with Sunny. Yeah, And I've interviewed some friends who've adopted. But I've never interviewed anyone with your story, oh. which I'm so excited about. Because Andy came at 28 weeks. Yeah, And really it was early. a total surprise. Yeah. And yeah. tell me about how it all went down and then how this journey has unfolded. Because you have documented it on your social media. And I have just... Just been swollen, and and my heart has been swollen with thank love you. for your family and Andy. And like the little angel and fighter that she
3: is, she's a badass. And you said that you she said is. It, this is like badass day like, is, is it a- weird <laughs> to call my baby a badass? But no, she is. <clears throat> she's and a thank total you. badass. She's been so sweet and supportive, reaching out all the time. And we got pregnant around the same time. We were a few weeks apart. Yeah. And we, in fact, I think we both told each other, and she was like, <clears> I'm pregnant. I was like, I'm, <clears throat> I'm pregnant. And it, it was exciting to go through this together. And our girls were supposed to be due around the same time, but my little girl had other plans. She was ready. Yeah. She was yes. ready Sorry. to come. <laughs> yeah. She, um, so we knew at the 20-week anatomy that something wasn't right, mm-hmm. that she was really small. And, and that's when you did the ultrasound, right? Yeah, yeah, you did, we did that in the, the anatomy scan, you know, where they check everything. And <clears throat> we knew that she was very, very small. And the doctors just like, we don't really know why. We don't know what's going on. We don't know why she's so small. It could be this, it could be this, it could be this. They gave us a ton of examples. One of them was a, a really scary one. And I don't even wanna like verbalize it because it was it was so horrific. Okay. And, and they said, go to this specialist, um, maternal fetal medicine is a specialist and you're gonna have to go um, I think it was every couple of weeks at this point and we're going to monitor her growth and we're also going to do an amnio, which, you know, it's scary. What's it that? Is. It's where they put a needle into your, oh. um, into your belly and they pull out the amnio fluid and they do the testing. Okay. Okay. So they had hoped to do that and that that would rule out some things or tell us exactly what was wrong. And it was good news came back that none of this was super scary things were wrong which was wonderful. It was a blessing, but we still didn't know what was going on with her. We still didn't know why she wasn't growing, Mm -hmm. why she was so small. And at that point, the specialist said, you know, what the best case scenario is that you just have a crappy placenta. Okay. And so that's what we were praying for. We were praying for a crappy placenta because that meant that she was fine. Just that my body wasn't giving her what she needed. Okay. And went six weeks, probably like the worst six weeks of my entire life. Oh my gosh. How do you,
2: what do you, what are those six weeks like?
3: it was, it was horrible because you're just every time your phone rings, you know, with a six one five number that you don't know. You hold your breath and you answer your phone and and you wait for the doctor to tell you because you like, don't know what they're going to say. No, you don't know. Waiting for this test or that test to come back and, and, and was there a chance that you could lose her at this point? Yeah, yeah. Oh God. Um. And and one doctor even told us that we should be prepared to terminate. And oh, um. My God. And I was like, I don't even want to talk about that. Like, that's not a possibility. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Um so that was a horrible thing thank god everything came back and they said you know again all that's all this is good she's just tiny so you're gonna have to get monitored all the time so Six weeks go by, a phone calls if it's, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. We still don't know. It could be this. And finally, he calls and he said, all right, well, you have a crappy placenta. And I was so like, that's what you prayed for. Thank God. Yeah. So that just means she's not getting the nutrients that she needs. Exactly. And Is there like, a way to supplement? No. And that was the thing. And and I beat myself up. And I think a lot of women do. And I read a lot about preemie moms and moms with um, inadequate placentas. And and they all said, you know, don't beat yourself up because there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you have done. There's nothing you could do. Of course it's not. kind of like a fluke. Of course, you know? yeah. But of course you think like, am I not eating enough? And I'm like, should I be eating more protein? Should I be doing this? And the doctor is just like, isn't that nothing you can do. What we do as women though, totally. I have realized that as a mother too.
2: And like, especially in my pregnancy journey, yeah. because we miscarried, like you've, I felt so, what did I do? What is wrong with me? Yeah. What did I do? Like, so when we got pregnant, I didn't work out. I barely like yeah. moved because I was so afraid that Terrified. I was going to like lose the baby. Do something, yeah. But it's like, we beat ourselves up as women when really- there's nothing we
3: can do. No. We're doing everything that we should be doing mm-hmm. for the most part, and and you know you think about women who who don't take care of their bodies and and then have perfectly healthy. Babies drink Mountain Dew and smoke cigarettes. Yes. are on drugs. Yeah, and then you think like, why are their babies perfect? And I'm doing everything that I should be doing, and all these unknown issues. And then you just think like, there's a reason for this. There's there is. a reason for that. There is, and then there has to you be. Might not know it now, but we'll find it. Mm-hmm. So 26 weeks and we find out it's a crappy placenta and I'm like, thank God, you know, we've been praying for this. So had it been working at all or had it not really, she was growing just very, very slowly. Um, She went from the 10th percentile lowest, lowest bottom 10th percentile to the fifth percentile to the less than one percentile. So she just was not growing at all. It's like one of these, you know, and she should, she should be doing this and like picking up steam. Okay. And at um, 26 weeks, they said, we need you to come back next week. We're going to monitor her. And at 27 weeks, they said, Just pray to get to 28 weeks because that's a turning point, right? Yeah. That's when the lungs are really developed and um, it's just better. Like literally every day at that point, you know, Mm -hmm. is important for their development. So if each day matters and um, got to 28 weeks and he was like, all right, just be ready. Just be ready. Were you in the hospital? No, we were still going to a specialist. So I was still going to work throughout all this and just trying to. I'm sure you were a wreck at work. It was absolutely wreck. How did you even get through your day? It was kind of good working, you know, like yes. you're distracted. And, Actually, that's true. Right? Because, so you could just zone in. Yes. Because otherwise I would just lay on my couch and like, and cry, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, finally we go to 28 weeks and there were all these like little God moments leading up to this. And one of them was my husband travels a lot for work and usually my appointments are on Wednesdays and it was supposed to be on Wednesday that week. But my husband was like, I got to travel. Can you move it to Friday? And I was like, yeah. So I moved it to Friday. We go in that Friday. It was literally 28 weeks to the day. And we go to the specialist, they do the ultrasound and they go back and get the results. And it took them like an hour and a half to come back and tell us the results. And my husband looked at me and he was like, we're, she's going right now, we're going to the hospital. And I was like, no, 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 Like we're gonna make it to 30 weeks. We're gonna make it. They come in, they're like, so we're gonna hospitalize you. But don't worry, don't worry. You're gonna be in the hospital for like two to three weeks and then we're gonna deliver. So the reason that it was so good that we changed the appointment is because had we had the appointment at Wednesday on Wednesday and my husband wasn't there, it, or had we had the excuse me had we had had the appointment on Wednesday and the placenta had been fine or she, or not fine but she had been growing we wouldn't have known we wouldn't have been hospitalized we would wait an entire week and it could have been you know a bad situation. So the two extra days yeah really made a difference um, because you know you never know when the Things are gonna take a so it took worse. a
2: shift it took a turn it yeah okay so it was kind of just had taken a turn yeah
3: just to take a turn so on the day of the tw- on the twenty eighth day twenty eighth week we go to the hospital well they say go home pack a bag like get lunch you're gonna be in the hospital for two weeks so we like go to Chick fil A I go home pack a bag and we go to the hospital check in and they hook me up to the machine they're monitoring me. I'm like, okay, so we're good. We're going to keep an eye on you. Keep an eye on her. Um, we'll do another check this weekend and then just keep an eye on you. Like 45 minutes later, my OBGYN, my doctor, everybody comes rushing in and they're like, it's time. And I'm like, what do you mean it's What time? happened? Her diastolic flow dips. So when your diastolic flow dips, that means that, you know, it, it goes in and out like the placenta and you know, the heartbeat goes in and out like that. And um, it dipped below. And... She was in distress, and they said, "It's time. We're taking her." I was like, "What do you mean you're taking her? Like, I'm 28 weeks. Like, she weighs a pound. Like, you can't take her right now. I'm not ready. Like, what do you mean? Like next week? They're like, no. Like, in an hour. What are you allergic to? I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, she's not ready. I'm not ready. Oh my
2: gosh. So,
3: um, another God moment. My parents, who live five, four and a half hours away from here, happened to both be in town. And they were like ten minutes away, and my husband called them and said, "You better get here. Your daughter's about to become a mother." Oh my goodness. They literally get here as they're pulling me out of the room and putting me into the um, the, the operating room to give me the C section. What are you? F- what are you thinking? I'm hysterical. Um, are you, what are you? you know, what are the thoughts that are going through your brain? I guess my baby going to survive. Um, it was. Cause you, you can't help but think the worst, you know, when you have a, a yeah. one-pound baby in 28 yeah. weeks, you know. Um, there was a lot I didn't know, and I think that was scary, and they all kept reassuring me. But you just think about all of these ways that you want to bring a baby into the world. You want the perfect picture. You want everybody to be there. You want the waiting room filled with all your loved ones and balloons and flowers and none of that was happening and you posted about that you
2: said that you're like yeah so when most a lot of people have their babies it's always so exciting and so much love and it's like no one knows the struggle and the pain when you bring in a premature baby because it's not all the flowers and balloons yeah
3: nobody tells you like congratulations I mean people did of course like our loved ones did and, and people but people are scared and rightfully so they don't know what to say they don't congratulations like is your baby gonna make it you don't say you don't say that to someone like what do you say and so there were all these scary moments um she came I didn't get to see her because you know you had a Mm c-section you know like sometimes they show you the baby sometimes she probably had to be rushed right off to the NICU yeah um I didn't get to see her my husband did but and how was that um I said how is she and he said she's really tiny and I don't think I really understood like the severity of it at that point you drugged up, you know, like oh yeah, not you can't really feel thinking. your body, yeah, like you're just like, what's happening? My organs are on the table, like I just get like, <laughs> what's going on? So um, I didn't get to see her for uh, several hours. I don't remember how many hours it was. My husband got to go see her, and uh, finally, when I did get to go see her, they they wheeled me down, which I'm sure it was probably the same for you. Did, did you get to see Sunny at the same time? Right immediately, I, they yeah, I showed her to yeah, you. Yeah, they showed her to me afterwards. Oh, it. it it's a moment that you dream about, right? Yeah, like it is. Like getting to see your baby for the first time. Yeah. Letting her on your chest. And I didn't get to do any of that. Um, oh, gosh. They had to hook her right up, right? Yeah, hook her right up and um, took her straight to the NICU. When I finally did get to go see her, they wheeled me down there. And um, we couldn't touch her. I couldn't touch her for... How was that what? moment, the first moment you saw her? Oh, my God. I mean, to me, like, I remember her being tiny But I don't remember, looking back in the pictures now, I'm like, oh, my God, she was so small. But in that moment, I didn't really see her as that. I just was just overcome with, that's my baby. Does that make sense? Yes, it is your baby. But now looking back, I'm like, why wasn't I more scared then? Because you knew that was your baby. I think I just knew that, like, she was going to be okay, like, somewhere deep down. Yeah. Yeah um I also think I was dropped up
2: <laughs> but it's your baby yeah it's like a love that you yes she's tiny but that doesn't yeah. mean it's not I mean it's she's your tiny baby She's still perfect she's your baby yeah
3: she weighed one pound four ounces um so she's like a little doll <laughs> and um when I finally did get to see her we couldn't touch her for I want to say a week I couldn't hold her for two weeks how was um, that I mean obviously I know it's the best moment of my life when I'm you held say. her I mean, I say all these wonderful, like the best moment of my life, the best day of my life, the best. In, but it is in the it was, of course, having her was wonderful, but holding her was better. Bringing her home was even better. And so you have all these milestones that you, that you celebrate. And of course, one's just better than the other, you know, so she was in the NICU for 71 days. Did it, were there ever scary moments in there? Or was it yeah. always
2: like moving positively?
3: So. I, again, I, like, I don't think I really understood the severity of the beginning. Doctors are, are very positive. They're geniuses. They're brilliant. St. Thomas Midtown, where she was born, is that where you we were did it to? That's where we did it too. yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Like, they're true angels. Um, but she was there probably a couple of days. And I was sitting here at home because the worst thing ever after you have a baby is being leaving the hospital and leaving your baby there. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, you have a baby. You expect to, like, bring them home with you. I remember like begging the doctors like to let me stay in the hospital longer, which is so strange. Like who wants to stay in an awful hospital with awful food, <laughs> right? Like I was like, "Can I get one more day?" They gave me an extra day and it was great. Um, but I remember leaving the hospital and crying and then a couple of days later I was sitting on this couch. Uh, I was still on my maternity leave and I just started crying. Like which was not uncommon then. I mean, you know, oh, like yeah. you're, you're hysterical. Hormones are everywhere. All <laughs> over the place. Still mm-hmm. are. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it was uncontrollable one night. And um, my husband and I had just decided. We, we had been going three days, or three times a day to the NICU. We went in the morning to see her. We went at lunch to see her. And then at night, we went to see her and, and read her bedtime stories every single night. <laughs> while she was in her little box. <laughs> um, so this night, we were exhausted. And the NICU nurses kept telling us, like, Take care of yourself. It's okay if you don't come every night. It's okay, and I'm like, no, I have to. Re- we have to see her every single night. I have to tell her. Good Was night. it kind of
2: like your ritual? Like yeah. you had created this ritual. Like this yes. is what
3: we do. This is my time with my it's more daughter. More for me than for her, you of know? course. Like, but
2: like you needed it. Like yeah, and like you almost had you. 'Cause I would do her things where like if I don't do certain things now that I've already done, I feel like I'm letting her down.
3: Hundred percent. Did you feel like if yes. I don't come, then I'll let her down? And I said to my husband, I said, I told her earlier today I was coming back tonight, so I have to go. And he was like, Nikki, you are exhausted. You need to rest. And I was like, Okay, you're right. So I'm laying on the couch and I just start crying, like uncontrollably. And he comes down, he's like, What's wrong? She's okay, she's okay. And I'm like, I know she's okay, like I just miss her and he said, Let's go. We're going to the hospital. So go to the husband. hospital. Yeah, he 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 was a true angel through all this. I can't even tell you a saint. Like, I couldn't have done this without him. Um, so go to the hospital, and the doctors are like, glad you're here. Like, they're going to call you. Uh, she has a blood infection. And again, <laughs> I didn't realize how serious it was. I'm like, okay, like, so it's fine. Like, she's, she's going to be fine, right? And the doctors were like, well, um they can be it can be really serious so um she's gone into sepsis what What does that mean septic yeah septic i'm sorry not septic (laughs) she has septic she's gone septic yeah um anyway so they were telling us that and there and the doctor looked at me and she goes so there's a chapel right over there if you want to go pray and when she said that i was like what do you mean like she's gonna be fine right and it's like we're gonna do every you know giving her antibiotics we're doing this you know how did she go how did she go into septic it just happens you get a blood infection (laughs) and it just happens and And she's just so fragile it's just so little and I know there are things I'm misremembering and things I'm leaving out you know it's kind of a fog oh yeah for sure you start to like block out the bad parts of course but I remember that day specifically and I remember that and I remember them telling me to go into the chapel and pray And, and to me that was what when it hit me that like this is real. This is serious. And I thought it was just so crazy because like she, she made it through all this. She was born, she was here. And then something like this was going to happen. Like it just shook me that, that, that this was real. So we go in the chapel and we're sitting there and praying. And I remember, you know, hysterical, like telling my husband, like, she has to be okay. She has to be okay. Um, and at some point you have to get up and you have to walk out and you have to go home. And I'm like, you know, I want to sleep here. I can't sleep in the hospital. Like what do I do? So eventually go home. Two weeks later she beat the blood infection. Oh she beat it. Um so it was so a miracle. What were those truly. two were you just how did what were those two weeks I mean? I mean, every day the doctor calls you and then they say, um, you know, we're going to either do a bl- another blood transfusion or we're going to test her again. So she has like, it calls a pick line. They put it in her, in her hand um, or in her foot, you know, because she was still hooked up to all these machines. And the one that she had in her hand, they thought maybe that was where the infection came. Maybe it was the one in her foot. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. Um, and so they would do all these things. And they're like, no, she still has it. No, she still has it. No, she still has it. And they have to wait 48 hours in between each time. So they would test her. And do the culture, you know, and see if it came back positive or negative. And um, every time, two days later, they would call and it's still positive. Still positive. And then finally they called and they're like, it's been 48 hours and it hasn't come back yet. So we're like, okay, maybe it's not going to grow yet. And it it never came back and she beat it. So from then on, it was truly just like her growing. Like all things considered, all of their preemie babies, like, We were really lucky, considering how early and how small she was, we were really, really lucky.
0: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. We went from
3: normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St.
0: Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.
3: So,
2: <laughs> I don't, I'm i not going to say, I don't know how to say this, but I'm going to use the best words I can to like get this thought across. Yeah. I, having a child also, very young, now know that my heart breaks every day just thinking oh God, about yeah. her and her life and having anything happen to her and how much, I guess the word selfishly, I don't know, that would affect me. Like I yeah. can't live without her at this point.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a good way to put it. I felt, yeah.
2: And I th- and I try not to think about things that can happen because I'm trying to live in the moment. It's impossible though, right? But you have had to already walk through th- those fears as a reality. Yeah. And I just, um, what does that? And you've come out so much stronger and yeah. you, and your and y'all survived it. And, but you have lived through like fears that we have as a parent of having to lose a child. Yeah. I mean, how has that changed you? Because that is, oh that is the worst thing that can happen to a parent. And you've walked through it and yeah. you've, I mean, I'm just so inspired by you because Thank I just, you. I know, I know how I feel just thinking about things like that. And I'm sitting here looking at you, and I got to hold Andy today. Yeah. And I'm just like, it, this has to just be the most insane feeling for you to look at Andy
3: every single day and just, it is. yeah. She, I mean, I, through the whole thing, it was how are you doing this? How are you doing this? And I'm just like, she's the strong one. Like I'm getting my strength from her. And every day we go to the hospital and so you really were getting your strength from her truly. And every day, like we, you go to the hospital and you you weigh, she gets weighed every day. And, um, every night it was at 9 PM. And I would always want to be there for weigh-ins because there were three things before you got released to the NICU. You had to be able to breathe on your own. You had to be able to take a bottle consistently and you have to weigh four pounds. Okay. And, It sounds crazy to gain four pounds, like it's insane, right? But every day it was like she's gained this many grams, this many grams, and when she was gaining this weight, it was like she's doing this. Like how hard is it for this little one pound four ounce baby to put on weight, and she can do this, and she's breathing on her own. Like I just cannot imagine the strength. And I'm like, like she's she was giving that to me, and she gave me. She wants to be here. Yeah. Like she wanted to be. She's such a fighter. She's
2: such a fighter
3: it was it was amazing to watch something so tiny grow 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 and I look back at pictures of her and I'm like you look like an alien like I don't even know who you are and, and now she weighs eight pounds she's eight pounds yeah. juicy baby yeah oh my goodness I mean she's got little juicy little legs yeah she's got baby rolls oh she's I got remember praying rolls. for rolls I'm like I cannot wait for you to have rolls I can't wait for you to have cheeks and, and she has her little cheeks yeah. are so full I mean,
2: Nikki, I just like the strength of you as a mother. Thank you. But have you found that this whole new strength inside of you that you didn't know existed now since walking through this with Andy? Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, totally. I like what is it? Like what you said you pull it from her, but like what does it feel like? What is the strength that you walk through with her?
3: I don't think it's different than any other mother deals with, though. Like,
2: But you don't really get it until you become a mother, I don't think. Yeah.
3: Do you think? Truly. and But I also don't think that you think about it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, you just have it. You just do it. Yeah, it's just there. Kind of like it's just waiting on reserve yes. to, like, kick into gear. Kind of like when you're exhausted in the middle of the night, and you're like, how in the world am I? Before Andy, I would be so tired from work, I would come home and take a nap. And now I'm like, I'm good to go. Let's go. Yeah. Where, do, where does that strength and that energy come from? yeah i don't know i five six months ago there's no way i could have done this and now i'm doing it so it comes from somewhere it just happens and i mean what does it feel like it feels like i have um a reason to do everything i have i mean of course i was happy before but literally everything i do now has a reason and nothing else matters isn't that weird nothing else matters
2: Nothing else matters. And it's funny because you're very career driven. I've always been very yeah. career driven too. And like I've always had like really big career goals. Mm-hmm. And I know you have because we've yeah. talked about them. And here you are, the anchor of like a huge news network in Nashville. But having your daughter, it just like, I don't know why. It's like, yes, I still want to have my career. Totally. But nothing else matters.
3: And I, I- – thought about this when I went back from maternity leave I did two maternity leaves I did a six weeks while she was in the NICU and then I went back to work because I didn't want to spend the whole maternity leave while she was in the NICU Um, but then when I went back the second time I remember thinking like never in my entire life did I think that I would be this mother this person this woman to not want to go back to work I worked so hard in my career to get to this point yeah and here I am thinking like I could stay at home yeah. I never thought I'd be like that. And that's not a knock on stay-at-home moms. Same. Like, you are amazing. If you were a stay-at-home mom, my hat is off to you because you're a badass. Yeah. And I always thought, God, I can't do that. I always work. And, and here I was thinking, like, I was crying in my bedroom thinking, like, I don't want to go back to work. Yeah. You know, I knew she was going to be fine. Right. It was just this strange feeling of not wanting to leave her. And I know every mother deals with that. You know, it's normal. But.
2: How have you, how have you transitioned. Cause I remember, I mean, I've literally like stalked your Instagram ever. Like I have loved your story. I remember like you going back to work for the first time Yeah, and it was a very big deal because Andy was home and yeah. you're going back to work. How have you done that? How have you become
3: a working mom? Like how has that transition been for you? I mean, I think we're trying to figure it out every day, right? Yeah. Um, I'm really, really lucky to have a husband who's able to have a flexible schedule and to have a nanny. Um, mm-hmm. my best friend's little sister is a Annie, and we hired her, and she's Amazing. like my sister anyway. So it's nice to have her here. But I also, think my schedule plays a big part in it. Uh, selfishly, um, I don't want to miss a lot, of course. So of course. I go to work at three in the morning, and Andy's asleep. I come home on my lunch break, and I get to see her for an hour, and then I go back. to Is your to lunch work. break like at eight in the morning? Like from I don't I don't I'm not on air from seven until eleven, so I have like time in there to do things and okay that's usually when i take my break okay yeah and, and she sleeps till eight how uh, it's usually till um seven and she eats okay so and you're then, like she's asleep
2: half yeah. the time you're gone i'm a safe thing and then your husband's here yeah or my or the your here yeah and then you're back yeah so, so really i think that's how i do it kind of a great job yeah for being a mom and then you go to
3: bed probably early around <laughs> her bedtime yeah <laughs> actually i go to bed <laughs> before she does <laughs> She goes to bed around like eight thirty or nine, and I try to get in bed by seven. So y'all kind of on a <laughs> is similar it, schedule. Get to bed before a baby. <laughs> it's stupid. It's ridiculous. That's
2: amazing. And yeah. so you've just found you're finding your way.
3: Yeah, I mean, like we all are, right? Like mm-hmm. every every mom is finding finding out what works. Like I'm going to sleep at this moment. I'm going to pump at this moment, and I'm going to try to eat now. And with one hand, you, you just figure it out and make it work. So how's pumping been at work? Like oh, that's been a struggle. Yeah. In fact, I right before you got here, I was drinking some lactation tea because my supply's dipping, and it's
2: always the thing. Like I I first got going, and I was like, I have a great, strong supply. Everything's going great, and now I'm like same thing. Like struggling. I'm like I need more milk. Yeah.
3: (sighs) And I don't know. I mean, I know it's been she's six months now, so and I know plenty of women stop breastfeeding then, but I and I feel like I'm nearing the end Mm
2: -hmm.
3: of when I should be pumping. But I have this, like, guilt that I I should, I should keep doing it. I should keep making milk as long as I can, even if I don't want to, even if it doesn't make sense, even if we have a freezer full. I'll you have a you. freezer full? Oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, my gosh, so you really stocked up. Well, when she was in the NICU, she was only, first of all, she was taking, like, you know, a few milliliters a day. Like, you know, I remember her taking, like, 20 milliliters and that being, like, a huge deal. And... I was producing more than that. So we just froze it smart. I got lucky there, but now I'm starting to dwindle and I feel this guilt of wanting to stop pumping, but it it messes with your mind. Talk to me about mom guilt because I have struggled with mom guilt. Do
2: you? Oh yes. It's good to hear. I struggle (laughs) with mom guilt so much, just about all sorts of stuff. Like what, what have you struggled with mom guilt? And like, why do you think we have this mom guilt?
3: I don't know. Um, I struggle with it for a lot of things with pumping. Number one, um, I'm not able to breastfeed Andy because she was so premature. Um, it was about giving her the bottle. And then when I tried to give her my my breast, it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. And Was that hard? It was um, because I knew that she needs to eat, number first and foremost. And she needs to get those calories. Yes. And when you're breastfeeding, you don't know exactly how much she's exactly. getting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, she couldn't take a bottle for months. I don't remember how old she was when she finally how took a bottle. How would you feed her? Um, through feeding, too. Okay, well that's so, good because then you know she's getting what she needs. Yeah, so I would go in and I would I would pump in the NICU, right? Like I would we did this thing called kangaroo care, mm-hmm. and that was how I got to see her and hold her every day once I could finally hold her. And What that is helped what is rest. kangaroo care? Um, so they put a recliner in the NICU and they have these little um, curtains and they put them put them around, give you some privacy, and you take your shirt off and like skin to skin, which I'm sure you did. Every mom does. And they would take her out of the, the little box. And she still had all of her little wires attached to her at this time, like her little oxygen tube and the, the lines in her in her hands. But then they would lay her on my chest. And she would just lay there and sleep. And we could do it for two hours a day. Oh. It was just two hours of my day. And then it moved up to three hours. Oh. And, and sometimes the nurse would let me go for four hours. So I would, like, not drink water all day long so I didn't have to get up and go <laughs> pee, you know. So I would just lay there and, like... And then I let my husband do kangaroo care for one day a week. you're like, this is my time. (laughs) No, you're not not sharing. I can't share. So we would do that. And and that helps with milk production. You know, the skin to skin like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And then when she got the tubes out, like we could do more. And when I I I'll never forget when she was first laying on me, like she was, she would fit right in between my boobs. Like she was so tiny and like, I don't have huge boobs, but like (laughs) there was like this little bitty, little bitty doll laying right there. And then she slowly got bigger and bigger, and she could like roll over the mountains on my chest. It was <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. it was very special. It's NICU moms, I, I've I've grown to, um, the, I, I've come to this little community of NICU moms. Yeah, talk to me about that. They're amazing. Um, in fact, Anne Marie who you probably know um, that CD Pearls, her Instagram name, she is an angel. And she had a little preemie named Grace, and she is a little badass too. And Grace, um, marie was pregnant around the same time we were, and okay. she had Grace premature. And I knew she was in the same hospital as Andy, but I didn't know. And as soon as they were wheeling me down, another God moment, as soon as they were wheeling me down to meet Andy for the first time, the first person I see is, Grace, is Anne-Marie sitting with Grace next to Andy in the NICU. It's so, like, how special is that? Wow. Um, so I got to, she was a great sounding board for me, telling me like, do this, do this. This is what helped us. How great is and, it to lean on other women, oh other my mothers? Gosh. Did you learn so much from other women going through it? and still do. I still do. I'm in a couple of support groups for um, NICU moms on Facebook. And um, they helped me understand that it, it's okay because it is is kind of a trauma. I mean, giving it is, birth yeah. is a trauma in and it itself. Yeah. But then having a premature baby is trauma as well because there's a certain guilt and not being able to carry full term. Um Oh I never even thought about that. Another yeah. another way to feel guilty. Another way. Another way to feel guilty. And there's envy too, because <laughs> I remember Yeah. Because after having Andy and you know, I wanted to still be pregnant. I wanted to go to four. You weren't weeks. ready. Yeah. And I remember I was at a restaurant with my husband and I look over and I see a woman who's like very pregnant. And I couldn't look at her. Like I got so angry. Yeah. And not at her. No, just course. at the situation. I was just like, why is she like 40 weeks pregnant? Why did she get to do that? And like, I didn't. Yeah. Um, obviously there's a reason for everything. And No, all but that's out, a real
2: feeling. Cause I mean, I didn't yeah. have that during my pregnancy with Sunny, but yeah, I had that when we were miscarrying and then right, looking at other pregnant women. And it's like, can. why can't. Yeah, why did I lose this baby? Like, why is this person? And then you hear people like complaining about it and how yes. they are so uncomfortable. And they're just documenting their feelings, and it's As not their fault. Yeah, but it is like you can't help but be like, if you only knew how right. lucky you are,
3: I would like give anything to be uncomfortable, to and swollen pregnant. ankles, yeah, and yeah, get there, but. Yeah, so that it's it was really wonderful to have Anne-Marie and other NICU moms. And, and I to still be able to, to express yourself, to yeah. be like, why
2: am I feeling envy? Why Or not why, yeah. you know why.
3: But like just to be able to say it. Yeah. Why you have do I to feel guilty? I'm at I, I the NICU for six hours in a day, and I feel guilty that that's not enough. I don't want to go eat lunch because I would rather stay here and sit by my baby's uh, NICU box, her isolette, even though she has no idea that I'm here. <laughs> She's sleeping. But that, that was the guilt that I dealt with more so than anything was not being um being too selfish and not being there all the time even though I know in my head that I was there plenty yeah, yeah I know that I did everything that I could do and provided everything that I could but you know you can't help but think yeah is it enough and I wonder
2: if we're gonna feel that way for the rest of our lives I as think moms. so yeah you know yes because I sit there and I like I literally just want to watch Sunny breathe. Yes. And I just want to like be in her face all the time. But I'm like, there's times like you you can't be there. or I'll leave her with
3: a babysitter. Or I mean, this is just the beginning phase. You go to an event and you're like, I feel guilty for being in this event. I Mm -hmm. should be at home with my baby. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way? I just, I feel like, I
2: feel like that's why I've had a hard time leaving my house. Like, yeah. I have such a hard time leaving my house and I'm getting better at it. Yeah. Like, cause now I'm three months in. It's hard. And it's like, in the first month, I couldn't. Like, I weeped daily. Yeah. I just cried all the time. I just was overwhelmed by life. Life just like, was too much for me to bear. All the emotions. All the emotions. And yeah. it's just like the responsibility of this human. Like, the love is so big. So consuming. So consuming. Yeah. And just the fears. And so that's why I'm saying like you had to already walk through some of these fears. I just have fears in my brain of like all the things that could go wrong. And I'm like, but does it make you feel more invincible now that you've already walked through this stuff? Not invincible, but like, like we did this. Like, okay,
3: I can like do this with Andy. Like we can survive hard, scary things. In fact, I had this conversation with my husband because- um, premature babies have all kinds of issues, you know, their developmental issues, whatever. And, um, you never know, like, is she going to walk on time? And uh, she's still in the bottom one percentile. Like she's a six month old baby, but she weighs eight pounds. That's tiny. Most babies weigh that when they're born.
1: She's um, so perfect. She is
3: perfect. She's just tiny. Um, but all these things. And, and I think, and my husband's like, what if she doesn't do this on time? What if she does this? And, and I'm like, Justin, like, look where we've come. Like, She weighed one pound when she was born and she spent three months in the NICU. And she's home. Like, she can do it. She like, can do it. Don't worry about her. Like worry about us. <laughs> like being able to watch her and to keep up with her because she can do it.
2: She can do it, yeah. and she wants it. And like, oh my god, I, that is so true. Just like being a mom, I just feel like that same kind of feeling with Sunny. It's like you are gonna do what you came here to do, yeah. little girl. And I'm gonna be I'm just gonna watch right here by your side, yeah. rooting you on. I have never felt. Um, I've always thought of myself as like a nice, kind person. You are, but I have never You're the
3: sweetest person. I am, seriously,
2: but I still, but I, but I was still like self motivated at the, at the core, yeah. really. Because I mean, we all are, I guess, in some way. I having becoming a mom is the first time I have truly, and even with Michael, like I love him more than anything in the world. Of course. But we're it's still even a different kind of love than a love of a child because now having Sunny, like. I would drop anything anytime if yeah. I if it was for her best interest. Yeah. Whatever she needs, it's like no questions asked. Like
3: there's nothing. there's never been another person where you you always look out for yourself, number yeah. one. Yeah. It's natural. That's normal. We all yeah. do that. There's never been anyone that you've put above yourself for the most part. I mean, for the I most think that's part. Natural, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, you love your family and your friends and you'll of do course. anything for them, but it's like this yeah. l- love of like sunny fulfilling her life yeah. in the way that the best way that she can and like getting what she came here for on this
3: earth i'm yeah. like oh my god whatever it takes to get you i think it's i think it i've been really i'm kind of a selfish person like fighting my career fighting for my career and doing all these things well i
2: don't think it's necessarily selfish because we come here on this earth to have experiences and right. you have your dreams and your goals and your gifts and your passions and yeah i feel like we owe it to ourselves to like let those totally bloom
3: yeah but then, yeah,
2: it's like this changes it.
3: It's okay, you're right, It's okay to be selfish, and I feel like I have been my entire life selfish with my time. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It's all about me. Yeah, me too, And then now it's not. and but I love it' it's the best thing in the entire world.
2: I'm so happy it's yeah. not all about me now. I know I'm like, oh my God, yeah. it's just like, oh. Uh, okay, I, I mean, I just I could just gush on and on and on about our babies, but it just truly is the I most know. amazing thing, yeah, so have your parents do they just like want to come here all the time so obsessed with her um the
3: first grandbaby on both sides
2: and I've seen like pictures with your dad holding her and reading to her
3: he
1: loves her
0: so much
3: yeah he loves her so much and so she's named after him actually
2: are you serious
0: yeah
3: so her name is Laura Anderson she goes by Andy Um, my dad's name is Miles Anderson now tell me how you decided to do that so my great-grandfather is Anderson my dad's Anderson and I don't know I just always kind of thought like I like boys' names for girls. I, I like different names. And I just thought Andy would be really cute. And Laura, this is funny. My name is Laura. I have two little sisters. Their name is Laura. My mother's name is Laura.
2: Wait, your sisters, you all yes. have the same name? Everyone. You, all y'all are named Laura?
3: Everyone. What? That's crazy. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I know. So all
2: your mom, you, yes. and
3: your there's four women four in your Lauras. family. Yeah. And all four of y'all are named Laura. Mm-hmm. So my mom's Laura Denise, she goes by Denise. I'm the oldest, Laura Nicole, I go by Nikki. The middle daughter is Laura Marie. She goes by Laura. And then the baby is Laura Elise and she goes by Elise. So how did the Laura
2: get to go by how did the
3: third one get to use well, the name Laura so they had me and they're like we wanted Laura Nicole we wanted her to go by Nikki and then they had a second girl and they said well we really wanted a daughter who actually goes by the name Laura so they're like we're gonna call her Laura then they had an oops baby and they said we can't leave her out <laughs> oh you are. so how did that even how did they even come up with that I have no idea I think honestly they just were not that creative <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, I guess, okay, I have to say, I'm uh, sitting here going like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy, but my sister and I have the same middle name. See, there you go. We both went by my mom's maiden it's name, kind of southern too. Williams.
3: Th- Wait, that's your maiden name, Williams? Yes. My married name is Williams. That's funny. Really? Yeah. So you're Nikki Williams? Yeah. <laughs> Looky there. Yeah.
2: So Catherine and I are like, she's Catherine Williams cut birth and I was Caroline oh. Williams cut So I guess it's just switching it to the front end.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of awesome. It is. I love it. I've
2: never heard of that in my entire life. So,
3: when I had a girl, I was like, I mean, I have to name her Laura, don't I? So, she's Laura. Yeah, Laura. So, there's five. There's five. And it's your dad's name too. I mean, this is strong. Well, my dad's not a Laura. My dad's Anderson. But, yes. But you got your family running. Does your husband feel left out? I guess he got the last name. Yeah, that's what he said. And I was like, should I feel bad? And I was like, no, wait a minute. He's Williams. Like, she's carrying on his last name. It's good. So, tell
2: me about how you and your husband, how how becoming parents and going through this together. Justin? Yeah. Justin. Tell me how this has. What, this is how this has brought y'all together.
3: Jess and I are both very independent independent people. Like we um, did long distance for like seven years. Seven years? Yeah. Because I moved around a lot. And he was in D.C. for 11 years. And I just kept moving around, chasing my career. And, Where'd um, y'all meet? We met, sort of met in college at UT. Okay. But we had a lot of mutual friends, didn't really know each other, just kind of knew of each other, one okay. of those things. And then we were both living in D.C. after college and started dating. Okay. And then I was like, peace out I'm moving chasing my career and did that and we stayed together the whole time so we've always been very independent in our relationship which I think is voted well for us because we did long distance and otherwise I mean I don't know how it would work um and so then when we had Andy it forced us to really rely on each other interesting and I think it's been so so good for us and how has that looked I mean there's nobody else you can talk to about it i am not somebody who talks about my feelings a lot really no i don't you don't not at all Uh -uh. um that has changed since i've had andy really for sure and justin is very communicative um a lot more so than i am which you would think like as a journalist and somebody who's in communications for a living you would think that i would be good at that but i'm not i'm always the one doing the question asking Um, so that's why my also that and mom brain combined is probably why I'm all over the place in this interview. So no, I'm sorry. No, you're not.
2: <laughs> you're right on the you're right on the tracks. Um, but I'm all over the place, too. So the, good I, luck to anyone listening.
3: But I think yeah. it's going great. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, So but having each other to rely on, I think has been so good for our marriage, because who else do you talk to about this? Like, Have you all had like crazy thing that we're going through deeper and, conversations than you've ever had? Yeah. And I think he also just knew that, like, he just had to to do all these things for me that I couldn't do. Um, Like what did he have to do? uh, Again, not talking about things. People would call, what can we do for Nikki? What can we do? Like this was when Andy was, before she was born, and then when Andy was in the NICU, people would call and check, and I didn't want to talk to anyone. Um, I was, I isolated myself very much. because you just didn't want to have to
2: explain anything
3: yeah and i also didn't know what was going to happen
2: you didn't have the energy to help anyone else with their thoughts and worries you were in your own
3: i i mean i was i didn't know if my daughter was going to make it um there were so many unknowns and the thought of verbalizing any of those fears was Mm. just too much for me Mm -hmm. and so they would call him and And he was able to do it he was but i know that took a toll on him i mean as mothers we go through a trauma having birth having babies right like Mm -hmm. that is a trauma Mm -hmm. but we forget about it yeah because thus the human race continues otherwise we would (laughs) never have babies if all we remembered was the trauma of childbirth right (laughs) i don't think men have that gene to be able to forget that trauma and most men don't go through trauma of childbirth i think he did because he went through the unknown of the pregnancy of you know that six weeks of worst case scenarios and then the three months of being in the NICU and and not having our baby and not knowing if she was going to make it he went through that and uh how did he handle it like how was his process like a champ honestly I do not know what I would have done without him he would he still does make me dinner every night because I don't cook.
2: I don't either. Yeah, like, Michael cooks for, for dinner for me every night. Oh, and I can't wait to tell him
3: that. <laughs> it makes me feel better. Oh, I just gave it up. Another I just recently
2: just give. Now though, but now that like I have a daughter, I'm like, I'm actually just gonna release it and not feel bad about it. Yes. I'm done. And Michael likes it, so I'm like, great. See, he likes it too. So just let him have it. Okay. It's done. Yeah, I'm gonna tell him now. I'm like, Caroline does it too. I've just released it and I'm like, this is yours, and I'm it's never taking thing. it back. Yeah. It's like you We're claimed feeding it. her with these, Yes, right? exactly. Okay. So you're feeding <laughs> us. So you're actually feeding. Our children, yes, because you're feeding us. There you go. They felt that. There you go. So now they're
3: so involved. <laughs> See, we're solving problems here. Looky there. So he did that. I mean, he he supported me through all those things, and and was there when I needed him. And, and, and did he ever break could, down, or was he yeah. able to stay strong? Yeah, he did. He did. And I don't think I'd ever seen him cry before that. Really? Yeah. And but he did try to do it, hide it from me a lot of times because I knew that, or he knew that if he cried, I cried, and then it, it's just too much um and we had to stay strong for each other and for Andy because you're almost in this fog you know you're it's your own little routine you know you're driving to the NICU every day you're getting coffee you're going and sitting there and talking to the nurses and you're sitting by her and then you go home and it becomes this like new normal and this new routine and and you just try to make it through every day whatever way that looks like the same as when you bring a new baby home. Like mm-hmm. your new normal, your new routine, you're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. It just looks a little bit different for us. Mm-hmm. you know.
2: So, what is his personality like in general?
3: Justin's? Yeah. Oh my gosh. He is type A, um, very clean. Your house is spotless. Uh, he would come down and tell you it was a mess. Oh, really? Yeah. No. <laughs> He's so Taipei and so organized and so clean.
2: I mean, we're sitting on a couch. I mean, on a blanket on the couch, <laughs> so the dog hair and cat hair didn't get on it, which I
3: appreciate. That's so him. Yeah, and I'm a disaster, so it's a good thing. That, okay, so y'all balance each other out. I guess. So you're so. not Taipei. No, I'm all over the place. Like I start 12 projects, I never finish any of them. I'm a true Gemini, like a oh, million okay. different ideas, love unorganized, that. like all over the place. Yeah,
2: I love that. You gotta have balance. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So tell me now, after being such a career woman, still are, yeah. now you have such a new perspective of life, being a new mom, Mm -hmm.
3: what is success to you now? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm still struggling with that, honestly. And in fact, I had a conversation about this with my dad the other day because he has instilled this like really hardworking ethic, this hardworking ethic in me. And I'm struggling with that now because he's never taken a sick day in his life. Oh wow. In his life. In his life. In his life. And not um, one? Not one. And so that's kind of what I grew up with. I think that's why I worked so hard to in my career and that's all I've known. And now that I have Andy and I don't love it as much as I did. I'm not willing to sacrifice everything as much as I did before. And I think that's normal and natural. I think everyone totally. goes through that. So I'm still struggling with what I think success looks like. Is it me continuing in this position um, and being able to balance motherhood. from right now, yeah, because I love my job and I love being able to, to do that, to wake up every day and, and do the news. Every day is different. I have fun with my coworkers. They'll seem like you'll have fun. We do, we do. But then coming home is, is the best part of my day. And I never would have said that before. Like, you tell me I have to work a 14-hour day when I was in D.C. Like, done. Let's do it. Send me out to shooting in the middle of a really bad part of town. Done. Let's go. I'm on an adrenaline high, and I'm loving it. And now I'm like, you're telling me I have to work 15 minutes late today? I can't. I can't. Like, I have to go home. And I don't. She's fine. Mm -hmm. But I have this anxiety. Like, if I don't go home, and if I'm 15 minutes late, like, something's going to go wrong. And it's not. So I'm kind of struggling with my internal like the need to still be to work hard but also to to be here with her i totally get that yeah and i wonder though
2: the more we our children grow up yeah more we'll be able to come in to um peace with it because i hope so i do on the flip side i have some friends who are moms who love being a mom, but yeah. they have been just a stay-at-home mom and they're longing for... For an outlet or something. An outlet yeah. of their own. And so I think it's just that struggle that we have as women, Yeah, which I feel like we're in this big era right now and yeah. I'm grateful to be in it of like kind of redefining what a woman is because... Back in our, like my mom's generation, and especially the generation yeah. before that, the woman stayed at home, took care of the kids for the most part.
3: Which is honorable and amazing and incredible. And amazing. Yeah.
2: But having a career, I mean, women, like my great-grandmother was marching in the streets for women's rights to vote, That's you know? Amazing. It's like so much has changed yeah. in the past d- century. But it's like, so now we are here in this spot where it's mm-hmm. like women are really being viewed as equals. I mean, yeah. if and if not all the way there yet, it is like, if you don't, if you're not on board with that, you're an asshole.
3: Right. You yeah. know? It's it's more unusual, I think, to not be on board with that these days. Exactly. Which is wonderful, but... Wonderful. I think we're still just, our generation is trying to figure it out.
2: Trying to figure it out, yeah. but then you are a mother and you carry yeah. this child or you adopt this child mm-hmm. and you have these instincts, this, this motherly instincts to raise and protect and yeah. nurture this child. And so it is just this, but you also want to fulfill your own purpose mm-hmm. and your own dreams and like we're both raising daughters i want sunny i know you want andy yeah to grow up and like whatever her dreams are mm-hmm. do those and then don't just get married and stop them
3: and i want her and to have a baby that. and yeah. just
2: stop them so i want like, her to
3: see that like i had a career that i loved and a passion that i loved and i stuck to it and i want her to see me having a passion but at the same time i want to be here with her i know <laughs> so what do we do I I just keep navigating every day I guess just trying and telling her maybe if we talk to them about it and we tell them like I'd rather I want to be here with you but mommy also loves her work and mm-hmm. loves job well maybe you don't love your job but I enjoy what I do you yeah know? yeah I don't know I don't think any of us have it figured out I don't think we ever will no <laughs> I'm okay with that actually more so too. than ever I used to not be okay with it and now I'm kind of okay like with living it. in just the unknown yeah i'm kind of okay with like having cat hair on my clothes and going to work and like right like i had a zit on tv and like i don't really care and like i kind of you know didn't like the way my hair looked but like who cares like nikki i feel that same (laughs)
2: way like i literally will wear the same outfit like three days in a row and not take a shower yeah and sometimes i forget to brush my teeth and then it's okay i know i have milk spit up on my shirt because i can smell it (laughs) and i'm like but i don't even care i'm wearing crocs out in public
3: okay I don't
2: care. I don't care that you're wearing Crocs. I used to care. I like your Crocs. I mean, they have flowers on they're them.
3: They're really pretty. Hey, thank you.
2: <laughs> I try to get a little bedazzle with a little flower, you know. But I used to care so much. Yeah. And like on Instagram, I would edit every single photo. Oh gosh, yeah. And like airbrush everything myself, and mm-hmm. I'll still put things through a filter. Like, of course, because well, <laughs> monsters. I mean, come on. But I, I also just don't care. Yeah. And I don't care. Like my stomach now looks different after having yeah. a baby. Oh my gosh. And I'm like. I don't care. Yeah, like I used to just everything had to be perfect all the time because I used to struggle with, like eating disorders and perfectionism oh and all gosh, sorts of stuff. Yeah, now I'm like, who cares?
3: Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I mean, who's caring about me that much? I don't care. No, I, just I don't care about ha- other
3: people doing that. So I know. don't care about me exactly. And then you think about like the the toll as mothers and with postpartum, you talked about crying nonstop, like the toll that it takes on our mental health to to take on all of that being a new mother and then and the pressure that we put on ourselves, it's too much. Mm-hmm. It's too much. And it's not good for our mental health at all. I feel like being a mom has given me so much grace. Yeah. Yeah. I, that is a wonderful way to put it. Yes. More grace. Just grace. Like, for other people too.
2: Exactly. Yeah. No, for other people, myself, mm-hmm. for other people, because now I realize, oh my God, just like getting through, your own day with your own schedule yeah like you said bouncing work coming home rushing with andy still being a wife you know trying to take care of yourself like doing any errand at all like i get
3: one errand done i'm like oh my god i did it yes (laughs) like best accomplishment ever
2: amazing
3: so Mm. i'm just like
2: anyone i just feel like everyone is doing the very best they can and why am i going to sit here and critique people and think that we have to live up to this perfectionism Level of whatever it's like. No, let's just be kind and do the best we can. and support
3: each other. And that's what I try to tell people when I get cruel viewer messages. I'm like, just, just be kind. Like it takes so much less effort to be kind. Yeah. If you're gonna send me that mean email, just stop. Because like, I don't need to see it.
2: No. And
3: why? It's not gonna make you feel
2: any better. Makes you feel the fact that you can write that out and send it to someone. Yeah. It just makes me feel bad for that person because they're hurting so much.
3: Exactly. And that's what I you know your first instinct is to clap back and i i love a good clap back like you know and then you sit and you think like what is this person dealing with they're probably super sad in their life mm-hmm. you never know
2: yeah no truly they are they have to be you can't say that kind of stuff if you're not hurt huh. inside
3: and so you try to find that grace but you don't always have it like sometimes i clap back and say mean things and like i shouldn't have said that
2: i know i always you know? feel bad when i do that yeah i know
3: you feel good in the moment you're like i got him
2: hmm I have learned though from those same experiences mm-hmm. every time I respond on the same energy negative energy level it just like almost doubles it
3: yes it mm-hmm. fuels them and they're like N-n-n-n-n-n-n.
2: and then I yeah. feel terrible and it's like I didn't do anything accomplish? nothing yeah. I just added yeah okay so I have two more questions yeah I want to I always want to talk to you forever but I'm gonna wrap up <laughs> what would you say at this point in your life mm-hmm. in this journey that you've had with motherhood so far, what has motherhood taught you so far?
3: Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. Um, it's taught me that I'm stronger than I ever thought I was, um, and that Andy's stronger than I ever thought she was, um, and that every day is better, every day's a gift. That I, what I thought was the lowest point of my life, ended up being like the beginning of, of the best. And every day is a gift. I mean, truly, like, that sounds like such a cliche, but every day with her, after seeing her, you know, so small and so frail and, and not knowing what her future held. And, and now I'm just like, I get to wake you up every morning and feed you, like, how lucky am I? Did I answer your question? Yeah. But did you ask me? What That's it. I teach you? Has it? What has?
2: What are your thoughts on, I don't even, we've never even talked about this, so I'm yeah. just doing this other, what yeah. are your thoughts on God?
3: I believe in God. I believe in heaven and, and all. Yeah. I Were you all. angry with him? No, I wasn't. Um, I was confused and, but more than anything, I prayed every single night for her. I like every night I pray before I go to sleep and I, I usually fall asleep praying. Um, but when Andy was born and when she was in the hospital, I got on my knees every single, almost every single night, not every single night, but I got on my knees a lot, which I never did before. And, seeing him work through her and seeing all these little god moments come up like little things in the moment i didn't know what they were i didn't know how significant they were and then when i sat down to write her birth story i was looking back and i was like oh my gosh that was not an accident Mm -hmm. one of my friends from high school was in andy's delivery and i didn't know it until afterwards and i see her in the nicu and i'm just like you were there like you were there you were there for a reason Mm -hmm. And having Anne Marie going through that with me and seeing her and, and now having her as a resource and then Justin's business trip being rescheduled. Like all of these little things are not coincidence. No, you know? no. Reggie's trying to get in your lap. Reggie's but. like, I love you.
2: Yeah. So have you been able, you've been able to find God through all this,
3: even like at your lowest? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely felt angry, but not really at that him. I think because I always kind of just had faith that she was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be a long journey, and there were certainly points of doubt and worry, but I always just knew that she was going to be okay, and I can't really explain why I knew that. You just knew it. I don't know if it was faith in her or in God, but I mean, I just kind of had this feeling. Of course, the doubt crept in, and and, you and you think about things, and then you feel guilty for doubting her and for doubting God, but how do you combat doubt when you have like
2: real doubt? It's not just like, our yeah. day-to-day fears that yeah. like when you have real fear and real doubt how do you combat that it's okay I love
3: Reggie Come comes <laughs> in my was, lap you want to get in the middle yeah. <laughs> but
2: how do you um how did you, what was your process for dealing with that or, and like walking through it I
3: don't really know if I had a process um it was just survival mode and, and just praying and I think I would try to be honest with with him and say I'm, I'm sorry I, I'm doubting you but I am and I don't know if I ever verbalized that until right now, but I definitely would just try to be honest, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I ever was with yeah. myself and, you know, it was a blur to be honest with you.
2: Such a freak. I mean, and now here we are. I'm just, it's just, it's Christmas and a, a little Andy is just dressed. She was dressed in a little freaking Christmas so outfit bear. with bow. but yeah. like, it's just overwhelming. Like it is. Do you think we go through these hard times though to what, why do we go through these hard times?
3: I mean, I think we all 100% learned from it. I mean, I think about like some of the darkest times in my life before Andy and it's easy to see now what you learn from those moments. And, and I think it all prepares you for for everything you go through, you know? Um, there's a prayer that um, I read and I don't have it. I I need to find it and I'll send it to you afterwards, but it's how God chose preemie moms. And it's just like, I chose somebody who's a little bit selfish to teach them to be selfless. I chose somebody who's impatient to teach them patience um, and these little things. And it, and I think I learned all of those little things from, from Andy's birth, just like it did with low points in my life. You know, when, um, when you go through depression and and whatever, and and you learn something from each of those, and it prepares you for each moment in your life, whatever that may be. So Andy's gonna be your biggest teacher? I think so. For sure. Yeah. I mean, of course, I wanted to have the perfect birth. Of course, I wanted her to be full term and and to weigh five pounds six pounds, eight ounces. and um, but that wasn't her story. And looking back, i'm I'm really thankful that it is that it was like that because I, I think I have a totally different perspective and a different grace for looking at other things and a different understanding. I never experienced premature birth or talked to other premature moms, and, and I have a whole new perspective on those things.
2: And it's going to change the mother that you are. Yeah. You're going to be, you are, I'm sure, a different mother now because of what you went think through you're with right. Andy.
3: Yeah. When I went to the NICU, and um, went back to visit all her doctors and her nurses, and I took Andy, and, and I saw all these other moms there who were also preemie moms, and there was a little girl named Scarlett. And she was born the same gestation as Andy, a little bit bigger than her. But I remember talking to that to the mom and she was just like, I've heard about your, I read your story. I read about Andy and thank you for writing about her. And she's given, you're giving me so much hope. And I'm just like, there you go. Like this domino effect mm-hmm. is making a difference. Um, my struggles are helping her and then her struggles are going to help someone else. And you just never know. And that's why I think the
2: important of sharing, it's so important to share our stories. Yes. And especially the stuff that we feel vulnerable, and it's
3: hard to it's share. So hard, so hard. And you also feel—I don't know if you feel like this, but I felt like if I share stuff, then I'm asking for sympathy. Poor, poor me. Like poor little me. I, I had this, or this happened to me, and um, nobody else deals with this. And it, that's not it at all. It's it's helping other people. With Anne-Marie, she was sharing constantly about her daughter. And I remember while Andy was in the NICU, I would go to her story every single day to see her daughter's progress because I thought, that's going to be us one day. Like, we can do this. Gave you inspiration. She's doing this.
2: Yeah. I think sharing is allows us to feel not alone. Yeah. I think that is, like, the reason that we have to share. Especially in motherhood. We have to share yeah. everything we know. And, like, not – and exactly like said, it's not like, oh, poor me. It's like yeah. – this is what I'm going through. These are my fears. This is how I'm dealing with them. Mm-hmm. This is our progress. Like it gives you inspiration. Yeah. And if you don't have hope, then we can't live without hope. Nothing.
3: You can't live without hope. And if you put everything through a rose colored glass and that's all you show people, which is totally what I'm used to, you know, being on TV, you kind of put yourself out there and, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't want to show all the vulnerable parts. But then you think about it, the more real you are, like, you get you get back what you put out Mm -hmm. and i i've just seen so much more as you said grace from other people put telling her story and putting real things out there like that well you inspire me nikki
2: i have loved following your story i will continue to
3: follow it like and i was was such a blessing to meet andy thank you for listening to her story it was it was was one of those that i wasn't sure i could tell then after i did i'm never gonna stop telling her story and i feel so lucky to be able to tell it it's to me i have just cried tears of joy
2: following it like and seeing her i just it's she's the true inspiration you're a true inspiration your husband is too just this but i'm just in awe and it's just so incredible and these these are the kind of stories that everyone needs to hear because this is life yeah this is life we're in the big middle of it you're going through something and it's just the most beautiful thing. We all go through our own walks and we all have a different journey. I had a friend today come over and I'm going to wrap up and I have one more question for you. And her little son has been diagnosed with autism and it's the same kind of thing. She's like, I was, I didn't want to talk about it in the beginning and I was, I was upset and I was angry and I was like, I'd go to play dates and, other moms were talking about how annoying their kids were talking so much and doing this. And just like, I only wish my son could talk yeah. and say, I love you. And like, he couldn't say, I love you mom. And he's it just turned four, but now I saying it, but it's just like, it was such a painful thing. And then she dove straight into it and embraced it. And as they've gotten into schools and he's like learning to thrive and learn his own That's way. Wonderful. And it's just like, you just got to go straight into it, you know? And this is the journey that God intended for your child. This is the journey that God intended for you as yeah. the mother of this child. And just got to go into it and find the blessing that it is because yeah. it is a blessing.
3: You're right. You have to You have to find the blessing. But you have there. to
2: embrace the yeah. full thing and not be in denial or upset or angry. I mean, yes, feel it all. I'll have all that. But then be like, this is this yeah. is our journey. What are we going to do? And you have done that. And
3: that is why I just... I keep saying this, but like it was, it was Andy. It was fully her and just seeing her grow every single day and do these things. And I was just like that little one pound baby girl can do this. Like, so can I, Yes, you know,
2: and it's all beautiful. Whatever walk we're on, it's all meant to be totally. Okay. So I leave every interview with leave your light. So what do you want people to know?
3: Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's a very large question. (laughs) (laughs) It's a large question about what, about me or just
2: about like maybe your whole, just you've gone through so much in life. You're, an incredible career woman. You're an amazing wife. Now you have this whole new part of your life that's opened up with Andy. And I don't know, like if you're just reflecting back over your journey, what pops into your mind right now? of Just what's important to you?
3: Um, That is a big question. So many. Um, the Gemini in me is going like a hundred different directions. She can, you can say them all. Um, I guess I just I keep going back to something that you said, which is, is the grace and I have been shown so much grace through this, through other people, through God, through our family, through Andy. And I think I'm trying to now show that. And I think if we can all do that with each other in every, literally every single facet of our life, and we just stop and think like, is this helpful? Is this hurtful? Is this showing grace for someone? And it can all, you know, make the world a better place. I love that. I don't know. Nikki, you're amazing. I don't amazing. know what else to tell. <laughs> That's beautiful. Oh, my mom brain is real. Do you have mom brain? Oh, oh yeah. I had mom brain
2: before I became a mom or pregnant, <laughs> and now it's just like next level.
3: Yeah. You're amazing. Thank you for you're sharing this story. Thank you for listening and for letting me tell Andy's story.
2: I'm so honored that you shared it with me and mm. my listeners. And Andy is the most
3: beautiful angel in the whole Thank world. You. I can't wait for her and Sunny to be, to hang out and be best friends. I no. I you imagine how
2: cute. Oh, it's going to be so cute. When we finally, like, can get our baby. Like, I've been, Sunny's barely met any baby. I'm like, okay, we're going to do it next year. Yes.
3: Cold and flu season, we're going to get through that. <laughs> yes. And That's our goal. <laughs> yeah. See, we just set little goals for ourselves. That's it. Yeah, little goals, whether it be brushing our teeth that day or setting up a play date.
2: We just chip away at them. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Nikki, thank you so much. I love
3: you. Thank you. Bye.